Yes, hello, I am James Rodens and today it's the WNR 3-3-0 and I have the pleasure to be joined by the ultimate one. How you doing, mate? You right? I'm back, yes, I am doing great, man. I got enough time in my hands. Uh, we're still on lockdown here in New York City. Uh, well, not that crazy lockdown, but, you know, the, the, the infection rate is a little high, so they're really like trying to make sure that everybody's wearing masks. You're going to open dining again, I think, of next, I think, Valentine's Day. You get to eat inside the diner now, so, for a little bit. And I guess... Well, <laughs> that's more than what we can here in uh, England at the moment. Like, it's it's not been great uh, for that, but hopefully April, things might be trying to get back to normal. Well, that's great, man. Listen, as long as we got wrestling and keep us out of mind, occupy and not listening to the news and listening to these crazy things especially over here in, in America. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I'm very excited. to Remember this, I'm so excited to be on your show today because we get to talk about what happened this past, well, in my case, in Wednesday. You know, the whole wrestling scene is about to do a, a didactic shift. And it's funny because, like I said uh, in my podcast, on Thursday, I spoke about this a year ago. You know, I did made a, a, a YouTube video where I said, there was some possibility promotions getting together and things were going to change. Well, like I said, that is what the show today is all about. We are going to be main evented as it was by AEW Beach Break and all the news from that. But the last time that we had left, it was Impact's Hard to Kill pay-per-view. So we're going to have a look at the fallout quickly. We go to the January 19th edition of Impact after Hard to Kill. We see Don Callis promising to be back soon, but said he and Kenny Omega were focusing on AEW for a little while. And Impact World Champion Rich Holland Moose had a confrontation uh, set to face off soon. We saw Tony Khan. He was actually at Impact with Jerry Lynn backstage in a paid advertisement saying that a private party first fan would deliver the money for the paid ad next week in person. And then we get the Good Brothers private party, Chris Saban and James Storm segment. The Good Brothers coming out talking about Hard to Kill um, and saying what they did together with Omega. Chris Saban coming out and saying his titles belong to Motor City Machine Guns. But obviously he had no partner until James Storm came out side by side and challenged the Good Brothers. But as that was just about to look like it was going to kick off, we had Matt Hardy's music coming out with Private Party. Big Money Matt was, of course, back in Impact for the first time in a long time. And so that Private Party deserved uh, a shot at the gold. I mean, this was just, an, I think, an excellent segment. Uh, performed well by everybody. It set the stage saying the Good Brothers are kind of your tag team champions. And not only have we got challenges at home in Impact, but also with AEW and Private Party. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, I love the, the promo that Matt Hardy did because he said, if it wasn't for me, this company would have been gone. And you have to give him that credit because at that time when he was still there and when he did the, the broken gimmick, um, it was the hottest thing going on the impact. And the impact was at that moment, um, the people that were running it were not focusing on wrestling. They were focusing on other things. And the fact that they brought it, you know, I got to show you AEW impact are really, really working. It's an actual working relationship. It's not a one time thing, a two time thing. It looks like it is a working relationship because for them to bring in private party, even though private party has been lost in the shuffle on AEW, but bringing them in there and kind of throw them in the in the tag team scene and impact and impact tag team scene is not as strong as I used to. It's a good move on everybody's part. Everybody wins in that little situation. Yeah, I mean, private party look like bigger stars now that they've come in to impact. And it's, it's like I said, we were wondering how 
the relationship would continue and it just kind of made perfect sense and then we had the main event which was private party versus chris saban and james storm to earn an impact tag shot a hardly distracted referee is ling grabs saban's feet holding him on the middle turnbuckle private party then hits for the pinfall earning the tag team title shot in the future then the good brothers came down and faced off a private party but storm and saban attacked and all three teams broke into a brawl as the show went off the air to end a very very solid show this was really good stuff from impact and I think the the next month will kind of feature the fallout from the pay-per-view. But it makes sense because with this, obviously they've announced the next pay-per-view in April and you've got monthly specials. But it does give a little bit more time to tell a story, doesn't it? You know? Yeah, 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 it does. Because now, see, and then look at the way they're setting it up. Because right now you're, sent, you're making a story on now of these two teams, especially a private party. I like private parties now. They got that very cocky attitude. Uh, I mean, at times they look like they don't agree with Matt Hardy, but they're real cocky. They're very young, flat, you know, flamboyant and all that stuff. And it kind of sets up more storylines where maybe Private Party beats the Good Brother in some way where, you know, they either cheat or something. And the way it's set up, because I, I know the next pay-per-view for Impact is in April. And then, um, but before that is uh, AEW's... Um, a revolution because they're moving it up to March because of there's a fight I think at the ending of the month of this month, so they don't want to put it in the same um, on the same day, which is a smart move. They're doing it on a Sunday to top it off, so that's that's gonna be um, very interesting. I'm still staying up late to watch that. I don't miss AEW's pay per view. Um, so um, so it's I mean it's a good setup because it, you know like I said, it's, it, both companies are not working just on like one time deal. They actually, you can see the impact and AEW are actually work. Is there's a working relationship, which is it's gonna help. I think the one that comes out winning out of all this is Impact, especially now that Impact has a lot of wrestlers. Their contracts are up. I know Josh Alexander, his contract is up. I believe Jordan Grace's contract is up. So, you know, um, you know, they 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 have to find ways to to keep, continue to have impact and make it interesting and you know have viewers watch the show yeah and i think it has with impact to its credit you know i'm a viewer that you know probably watched tna you know uh last thing i can remember is you know buddy ray is the kind of uh, tna world champion and then kind of checking bits and pieces but i've been watching it kind of you know week in week out recently and it has been quite a solid show we're going to see that obviously as the month progresses but we'll move on to AEW Dynamite and that was January 20th the show kicked off with minus one's birthday celebration and six-man tag team action uh, and of course um, as any kind of birthday or wedding as we're going to see kind of gets interrupted with the uh, the birthday cake but we had Hangman Adam Page in a dark order which is Alex Venables, Colt, Caban and John Silver versus uh, TH2 and uh, the Chaos Project Page hit the buckshot with Reynolds in there to grab a German suplex combo, scoring a pin or Serpentico. Inside to think John Silver got on his knees and asked Page, will you join the Dark Order? Page declined the offer, uh, did the group thing for it. It didn't really end well for me. I'm so sorry. Um, I really do like Page. This was a great finish uh, to the match. What are your thoughts on Adam Page and the Dark Order? Should he have joined? I think, uh, I mean, but it makes it a more interesting story as, as we were going to go on and, and probably uh, cover the next uh, two other weeks of AEW. But it, it makes you say, OK, he doesn't want to join them. I mean, he does. I mean, he does fit well with them, but he doesn't want to join the group because of what happened with him in the elite. I think he should have just I think his decision was right because, you know, it's, you still have the Adam Page. He doesn't know what he wants. 
you know, if he want to join a group, he doesn't want to join a group. He's like a loner type. Um, and I think it's a good storyline. I mean, because then you're going to build up the coming weeks with, with him, you know, uh, with Adam Pace still, you know, still wondering if he's going to join. I mean, I know there was an episode with BTE where Anna J was like, get the hell out of here. I don't want you around the boys. You disappoint them. So it's, it's, it's an interesting story. At first, I was like, okay. Adam Page does not fit with Dark Order. Now, as the weeks go by, okay, okay, he needs to be part of Dark Order. Yeah. It makes it more more interesting. I think they need something strong, obviously, after, of course, with Brody Lee as well, to have someone that can maybe take the mantle of that, or maybe someone inside of Dark Order can uh, take the step up. But then we had Tony Schiavone in the ring to uh, Darby, Allen, and Sting. Um, Sting was handed a microphone. He said, there's something that reminds me. Uh, about me in you and i kind of like that i want to be the first to congratulate you on being our tnt champ and second i want to make sure everyone knows i was just to make sure that that was a fair fight nicole sting was interrupted by taz uh who said you guys want to fight dirty i grew up in the streets do you want to take this to the streets and the kind of challenge was laid out and of course the match is official for revolution darby allen sting versus uh, ricky starks and of course brian cage um the thing with this thing, as, as we're going to see as well, we kind of need this match sooner rather than later now, don't we, you know? Uh, I mean, now the question is this. They accepted the challenge. Who's going to take the, bl- the the brunt of the of the the punishment, you know, the offense from Team Taz? Because, you know, I don't see Sting taking a bad bump or a crazy bump. I don't see that happening. He may be probably, you know, fighting – you know, like probably in street clothes, whatever, fighting, whatever, not taking nothing huge. I think Darby Allen, being that he's the relentless one and reckless one, I think he's going to be the one taking probably if they take it to the parking lot, maybe he takes a, a body slam on top of a car, you know, you know how AEW is. So, um, but it's going to be interesting because uh, now is the question is, you know, okay, Sting is in AEW, now what? Well, we're going to find out now because now he's in a street fight. Yeah, I think it would be uh, quite interesting to see what they do with that. And then we see footage from early in the day airing the elite were at Kenny Omega's house where the Young Bucks showed up. Uh, they basically uh, got into Don Callis' face, who's saying he's too busy uh, to actually get hold of you guys. Uh, they're telling him he were manipulating Kenny. The, move, the Bucks moved towards Callis and Callis yelled and the camera feed cut out. Of course, we weren't sure what was going to happen there. Then the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes versus pretty Peter Avalon. Uh, Cody hit Avalon with a crossroads. Jay Cargill's music hit. She walked out into the ramp, distracting Cody and the ref. Uh, Cody was then drilled by a low blow, but he managed to lock the figure four on Peter Avalon. Avalon was able to reverse it. Cody, Cody turned it back and threatened to slap pretty Peter in the face. Avalon tapped out before Cody could do it. Um, thoughts on this? I know Avalon is a jobber, but I think Cody Rhodes is showing that he can wrestle basically anybody in AEW, no matter where you are on the roster. Yeah, I mean, he, I, I think he did a favor for Peter Avalon to come out on Dynamite. But if you look, really look at this match, this match was another match where they were promoting Jay Carhill and the show, the big show. That's, I think that's what it pretty much the way I took that match. I mean, Peter Avalon, um, and this is the, the part that I'm like, you know, I'm surprised that guy's still working with AEW because he was one of the first guys they picked up um, in the indies. Um, and even though already when they picked him up, he was like being a, you know, kind of a comedian type of wrestler, gimmick type of wrestler. But I think he's paid his due there a year and a half where he's had matches with, with Randy Cutler and it was always comedic stuff. And for him to go in there and um, 
And I don't know. I felt like he 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 gets buried. Now, that's that's the way I see it. Um, I think he should have. I mean, he did some some type of offense, whatever. But the way he lost, it was comedic. And uh, yeah. again, and Jay Carhill, they tease her. They tease her. They're going to put her in. Tease her. And I'm like, where are we going to see this woman wrestle? You know what I'm saying? I mean, she's in great shape. But we'll see. Well, we're going to get to see it in a couple of weeks. Well, we get John Moxley versus Nick Camarato next. And uh, he's went towards Mox, but Mox dodged him and began to kick him across the stern. And Moxley then lays in the kicks hard, uses his for meant to suplex him. Mox got the hooks in and put uh, Camarato to sleep. He then asked for a microphone after the match and says, now anything can happen on Wednesdays. And things are getting crazy around here. I can't keep track of everything. Can he make, bring his frat brothers from Nashville in? And their watches back. All he did was make it more fun and interesting. More bodies, bigger brawls, more blood, more violence, more neck spike, more limbs to snap. I love this. You can bring wherever you want from Nashville, Mexico, Japan. All the roads lead through me. Uh, I was quite impressed by the big man in this. Of course, Moxley is still in the hunt. And I don't know. I think Joe Moxley's got a little bit more interesting since losing the AW World Championship. Yeah, I, I, I love. I wrote this on my notes when he said that all roads lead to him in pro wrestling. And Again, we saw that this past week, which all roads lead to him. But, I mean, he, he's doing good. I mean, he's more dangerous when he's the guy chasing. And, his, and the wrestler he fought, Nick Camarado, I remember somebody mentioned it to me online. I had no idea who this guy was until I saw him fight Moxley. He did pretty well for his Dynamite review, uh, debut. Um, I hope to see more of him. A lot of people are talking big highly about him. So, but yeah, Mox is, uh, he looks weird without that belt, though. I got used to him with that belt around him, and now he's walking around looking like he's naked. But it's, it's a lot more fire for him, and we see Dasher was backstage really Kingston with Butcher, Blade, and the Bunny, and asked about Kingston about his match next week against Archer. Uh, then we see Murder, uh, Murder Hawk, Monster Storming onto the set with Jake Roberts. Save it for next week, said Jake. And then uh, Kenny Omega was caught up by Alex Marvez. He had no comment for him. Don Callis was holding a black eye under his sunglasses. The Mega made him take the glasses off to show him he was outraged over what he saw. And then we get Matt Hardy in Private Party um, versus Matt Seidel and Top Flight. Of course, uh, Private Party number one contender for the Impact titles. They attempted City String, but Top Flight had it countered. Uh, we see uh, Top Flight and Seidel get the advantage of Mark Quinn until Matt Hardy pushed to ask Martin off the top. As the ref was distracted, Cassidy swung a steel chair at Dante's ribs. Mark Quinn smiled at his partner's antics, followed up with a shooting star press and pinned Dante. Uh, after the match, Private Party saw Top uh, and Matt Seidel with some encouragement from Matt Hardy. So we're seeing a slightly darker side from a uh, private party now but i think that adds more to the story you know yeah i mean because i mean I, we saw it the day uh i think it was the day after or the day before when they had that little cocky attitude and, and impact and and then now you have to go to dynamite and do the same thing and i mean i was very surprised they used the chair also top flight they they, they look good and whatnot, but they still a little green because there was a little confusion in the beginning of the match. Um, uh, they they look real good, but they was they still look like they not. Probably it's because of the chemistry of both teams, but um, the match was pretty good. It's just sometimes there's a little confusion though. Private Party, I mean, if they continue the way they're going with the cocky attitude with Matt Hardy guiding them, I think they could go far. They could be uh, they could be a. Uh, a uh, cha- uh, uh, top competition for whoever's the AEW champion because, like I said, when they they came in 
2019 when they were part of that uh, AEW Tag Team Tournament, which they beat the Young Bucks, where they were the ranked number eight team. I mean, they show they show what they were made of because I saw them in person. I knew what they were made of. I know what they brought to the table, but they kind of got a little relaxed um, the last couple of months after that. Dropped mostly of 2020. Now as they showing they still got a little stuff they gotta learn. I mean, they show sometimes some a little green here and there, but I like the attitude now. I like it. Love it. Well, we get our next match, which is legit. Layla Hirsch versus Penelope Ford. Um, Orange Cassidy was seen watching from ringside. Layla was eats four for 11. Uh, she avoided an axe kick from Ford, ran up the top rope and jumped onto Saban. And Ch- Charles Taylor, Penelope stole a pin after kicking down Layla's ankle. Mura called Butler jo- uh, Charles Taylor into the ring. And he just grabbed this microphone and told George Michael wannabe Orange Cassidy that I'm your best friend now. Relaxly, Taylor held a microphone and said it and said Mira's friend and Cassidy got up from his seat and walked away crushed. Let me let me tell you something about Penelope Ford real quick. The Layla Hirsch, I mean, she comes out in these matches and this woman never wins a match. And they put it in there with Penelope Ford. And that match with Penelope Ford, Penelope Ford still needs, she's another one that's green as hell. Um, she did a knee shot on Layla which didn't even look like it had any any force behind it. So, and the fact that she won that match is because of outside interference. I mean, when you got so many people outside interference, you know who's going to win the match. Yeah. You know, so that that kills it right there. Well, talking about uh, outside interference, so to speak, the good brothers, Carl Anson, Doc Gallows, Assault, Pentel, Zero, Mido, backstage, and him, and then removed the designer boot and stuck the point right into his eye. And then we move on to main event time, the Inner Circle Tag Team Challenge, determine the official tag team of the inner circle, Ortiz Santana versus Demo God, Chris Jericho, MGF versus uh, Sammy Hager. Uh, anyone can tag anyone, whoever gets pinned wins for their team, explains Shivani. MGF, Powerbomb, Sammy, and Jericho followed up with a line sort for near full. Santana Ortiz tagged in and blindsided Jericho. Ortiz got two's count on Jericho, but Jericho came back with a code breaker. Ortiz, Sammy connects with a jump and knee shot and blast Jericho with a GTH. Sammy tried to finish off MJF, but he had him hoist on his shoulders as he walked into Wardlow, who had popped up on the eighth, and suddenly he fell backwards from the collision. MJF rolled up Sammy for the victory. It wasn't a bad main event, uh, but we were talking about this last time and about Santana and Ortiz. Now, yeah. is this the right move for AEW at this moment, or should they have, you know, maybe gone with the familiar? Well, looking at looking at it now, I mean, uh, the T looked at like the better tag team in there, in the ring, you know. Um, but again, we gotta we gotta we have to put that to the side because there's a storyline in it. We got all the guys from Inner Circle, they all trying to jockey position. Who's the number one tag team in that group? You know, it would I think it would have been better if um, let's say they pin um, MJF or Chris Jericho and then. MJF gets mad or whatever. Something would have happened that would have caused it. And then now you have Santana Ortiz upset with the group because the group, you know, whatever the case may be. And then now you have a chance that you could have Santana Ortiz roll by themselves. But that wasn't the situation, which what I like was MJF ended up pinning Sammy Guevara because of Warlow. So makes it more interesting because now you got to go back the following week and you have to see what happens. So they're leaving the cliffhanger. So sometimes, yes, we want the, our favorite tag team to be in, a, in an area where you say, well, look, these guys have been here. I'm, I'm a big advocate for 
Santana Ortiz because I follow these guys for a long time and I feel that they should be in a better position than they are now. But I also have to see where the storyline is heading, you know, where now you want to go next week and see, okay, let, let me watch this this week and see what happens. Because last week, you know, MJF and Jericho won. So now, you know, we got we, we to see what happens. So, you know, it's, it's, it's more like cliffhangers. And I think it was the right right move. Well, I'll take your point, and it's exactly right as well, because sometimes with TV, and this is what NXT used to do when it was kind of a one-hour show back in the day, sometimes it was setting up, so you wanted to continue watching for the next you know, couple of weeks as opposed to having that kind of the, the main show, so to speak, and maybe not a lot of story. And I think that's what Dynamite is doing quite well. And we move on to Impact with Sunny 26th of January, and uh, Impact World Champion Rich Swan hit the ring, and he basically asked Tom, Dreamer, who's going to celebrate his 50th birthday on February 13th. Uh, for, for Can you hear me? Yeah, no. Good. Yeah, I was about to say, uh, we see Tommy Dreamer, it's going to be his birthday at No Surrender February 13th, and he's going to, Rich Swan has asked him to challenge him for the Impact World Heavyweight Championship. Sammy Callahan interrupted proceedings. Chris Bay made his presence felt next and said it was also his birthday, and he's 25 years younger than Dreamer should he receive the title opportunity. We see Moose injected next and expresses, and Swan told everyone that the match is Dreamer is already set. Uh, and then the lights went out when they came back, Ken Shamrock attacked the baby faces leading to the hills standing out. And in just one segment, Impact introduced all the top players and contenders to Swan's title and set up an air of mystery as to who would be uh, able to get the next opportunity after Tommy Dreamer. It's a really um, good way to kind of start the show. Uh, And again, for anybody that's not seen Impact, maybe turning in for the first time, it sets the stage and says, these are your major players and this is what to look out for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, um, because... Wasn't most the one next to a title shot for Swan? Because I, yeah. I mean, he did attack them after the tag team in Hard to Kill. I mean, I'm still seeing, I'm still seeing Moose winning it all. Moose, like I said, Moose has improved uh, incredibly. You know, I, I don't know why Tommy Dream even getting a title shot. That guy shouldn't even be wrestling no more. That's well, it is, his, it is his birthday, so oh, that's okay. what <laughs> Rich oh, okay. Swan was doing it as a kind of sign of uh, respect, respect, so to speak. Okay, so. But I still think that Moose should be the next one getting a title shot. Sammy Callahan. Sammy Callahan is going to be Sammy Callahan. Regardless of Sammy Callahan, whatever storyline he's in, he's always going to be in the world title picture. You, I mean, at this point, you you got to have him in the world title picture, regardless of what he's doing. If he's putting barbed wire in somebody's mouth or on his head or killing somebody, the guy's got to be in the world title picture. But Rich Swan. And I'm sorry, because I know you're a big TNA fan or Impact fan, and you like Rich Swan. I don't see Rich Swan as a world champion. It's like, he looks weak. I don't know. It's just me. Maybe because I'm used to seeing him in the X Division, but that's just my opinion. I mean, I think I think Moose should be the next one to win the world title. And then we could probably see uh, Moose versus Kenny Omega, because that, that hard-to-kill six-man match showed that Omega and Moose are like magic. Well, let's talk about... Um... Impact Wrestling, talk about the new appearances as well from people. We had Matt Cardona, obviously, yes, Zack Ryder. Yes, yes. Uh, he showed up, teamed with Josh Alexander to take on Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. He actually broke down Cardona, caught Fulton with the radio silence for the pinfall victory. So he's uh, very serious at the moment. His, uh, of course, podcast friend, as it would be, uh, Myers, he beat Edwards by DQ. There was uh, an abundance of perfectly acceptable wrestling here, but less about the in-ring content and more about Edwards as a changed man following Barbed Wire Massacre, which I think we did mention at the time that he was going to change. And, of course, talk about Myers. He has the look and the serious tone now that was missing from his days as Kurt Hawkins. 
Yeah, yeah. Myers looks way better now compared to Kurt Hawkins. Remember, when he was in WWE, his gimmick was he had the longest losing streak in wrestling history. I mean, who wants to have that gimmick, you know? Um, <laughs> now he looks more serious. Um, I've seen him wrestle Josh Alexander one-on-one, which I think he beat. He did beat Josh Alexander. I mean, he, and you see the difference when you got guys in WWE and then they go to another promotion and and they it's like they start burst and you see what they're made of, you know? Yeah. Same thing with Matt Cardona. Cardona was always been a, a, a gimmick guy. In WWE, and and he, I mean, his only WrestleMania moment when he won the Intercontinental the belt, only to lose it the next night. And Mike Cardona, he looks great. He looks yeah. great. I mean, and the and thing I is, hope he, I hope he sees an impact. Yeah, well, this is the thing. The, the interest to see him in impact, and it's weird to think with Zack Ryder that they punished him in WWE for basically getting over himself, which is crazy when you actually think about it. But we see Tony Khan and Tony Schiavone buying another ad for Impact. They rub it in. Don Callis face that they're tag team private party and now the number one contenders and they run through what dynamite happened as well. And then backstage Matt Hardy and private party having a little chat about putting a bounty out. So private party have an easy chance of claiming both the AEW and impact world tag team championships. And then in the main event, it wasn't all that long ago that Trey Miguel appeared to wrestle his final match in impact as the rascals took the phone of bow with Brenton Dez now competing in NXT, but he made his grand return Emerging from locker room as a mystery partner for Tommy Dreamer, Willie Mack, a world champion, Rich Swan, as they battled Moose, Chris Bay, Sammy Callahan, and Ken Shamrock in the main event. This was a really good uh, main event. Moose speared Mack. Miguel wiped him out with missile dropkick and pinned Callahan to score the win for the babyfaces. But after the match, Shamrock attacked the referee upon and standing tall with Callahan to show us to close out the show. But it, this he, is what. Supposedly he got suspended for that. Well, he did, and he just went mental, and it's kind of weird seeing Shamrock, because obviously, you know, we've seen him throughout his career, and he can still play crazy ever so well, but just the kind of talent on show, and we talked about earlier about, you know, it might be a horrible time in the world, but with what's going on in wrestling, with impact, the amount of talent just in that main event, it's a good time to be a wrestling fan, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and like I said, uh, uh, I think impact, and and as far as their talent's concerned, they need to stop being cheap and pay these guys, you know, um, and, and keep these guys. You can't just keep having a revolving door coming in and out. You, you lose guys, you bring them in, then you lose them like within a year or two years later. You got to keep them because, you know, if you keep the roster you have now and you add other wrestlers that from other promotions that could give you four-star, five-star matches and you add them with what you got, then you have a promotion that people are going to be investing in. And I think... That's what's going on. I mean, Willie Mack, I mean, I don't like the way they pushing him in there because I've seen Willie Mack wrestle in NWA. He was a former United States champion NWA or national champion, whatever it was to call it now over there. Uh, and he could wrestle. But this, I, I think they should just not make him look like a like a, a mid-car wrestler or sometimes a jobber, whatever it can be. But they, like I said, Impact needs to keep their wrestlers. Give them the money that they need. You don't have to give them five million, six million because you don't have that type of thing. But you know, it's all about keeping the roster. And and and, and then, you know, Trey Miguel. Who would have thought that he was going to come back? Supposedly he left to uh, NXT, but his other two partners joined NXT. He didn't. So them getting Trey Miguel back, that's that's a good that's a good move. Yeah, and, and I said Impact has been delivering good shows, and that, that episode of Impact uh, averaged 186,000 viewers on Axis TV. It was up from the, the kind of fallout episode from Hard to Kill, 
But another thing about Impact that makes it for me quite easily accessible is available in the app kind of straight away. So all I have to do is go on the Impact Plus app and watch the latest episode of Impact. Of course, the network doesn't do that for all SmackDown, but of course that's through uh, TV deals. But we move on to AEW Dynamite, the 27th of uh, January, and the show opens with the intro video. And then we get Eddie Kingston versus Lance Archer. Archer sending Jake to the back. We get Kingston in with chops. Archer pushed him to the corner with a boot, running back elbows. A lot of hard-hitting action. The choke slam over the ropes outside. Uh, Eddie banging the apron. Uh, I've just put that was shit. Sick. Yeah, I've just put was shit in my sick, notes. That was a sick move. I mean, I'm, I was like, wow. This is what I'm talking about, Lance Archer. Lance Archer is a beast, man. Go ahead, continue. Um, like I said, that was disgusting. And then Eddie's getting thrown <laughs> face first into the camera. Archer dominated. We got the EBD claw, Simon Kingston's map, but Butcher and Blade run the distract, dragging Jake the Slate, Roberts out into the stage, clearly haven't beaten him down. Bunny slips Eddie some nuts while Lance is distracted. Batfist to the future, and it's over. Eddie Kingston winning by pinfall. Uh, Post match, Butcher and Blade drop Archer with a powerbomb net break combination. They draw him up, and Eddie hits another backfist to the future. Uh, I do like the Eddie and Archer. This feud is good for now. And uh, they were talking about it. September 5th, 2020 is when the food, uh, feud began. And you talk about long-term booking. This was because of the elimination. It was yeah. a good match as well. Yeah, it was. I mean, I mean, uh, at first I'm saying to myself, okay, because um, I remember when they were talking about Eddie Kingston kid throwing shots at Archer. I never got eliminated. I never got I got to go back and watch this. I don't remember Eddie Kingston ever being eliminated. So, but it's good because it's long, long-term booking. You let it build up, build up, build up. And then this first match, I love the fact that Lance Archer actually, you know, um, gave the first match up to Eddie Kingston. I mean, but he did, he did uh, that damage on, on Lance Archer's face with that, with that, whatever he had in his hand. Cause he did show it on Instagram. He had like a little swelling on the side of his face, uh, and like a little red mark. But because Eddie Kingston hit him hard. I'm like, he but hit him hard. I, was, I like it. The two guys don't hold back, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, but, that, but that's good. But that goes to show you that's that that's that Japanese strong style. You know what I'm saying? You don't see that a lot in, in other wrestling promotions. AEW will let you wrestle the way you want to do. You know what I'm saying? Um, WWE doesn't do it because you got to wrestle the WWE way. Impact, I don't really see it, but I, I think they they – they wrestled their own way, but that match between Eddie Kingston and Lance Archer, that was a great match, especially that bump you were talking about. I mean, he chokeslammed on my side. I've never seen anybody done that, and that, it, it was sick. It was just the ease that he kind of threw him, and then, like you said, Kingston just bouncing, you're going, fucking no, that's, that's a tough move, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It was great. We get a uh, John Moxie promo where he tries to break down the current relationship amongst Kenny Mega and all his friends. He said it's like the episode of Young and the Restless and it's never going to work. He's a simple guy. He likes his beer cold, his coffee hot, his water at room temperature and his sex in the morning. He likes to use his right hand and his left hand and not complicate things. And he's excited for the trios match because gang warfare is fun. And then back from commercial, we get another promo with Sting and Darby Allen. Sting scoffing at the fact that they got called hoodlums where Darby is actually a hoodlum. About survival, and he smashes the window uh, with his baseball bat when um, Darby Allen is smashing it with the skateboard. What did you think of that backstage? Sting, 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 Sting looked like he was having a hard time breaking the windows with the bat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Darby Allen yeah. just threw. You see that Darby Allen just threw the skateboard right through the window, no problem. Um, name, name. Uh, you see Sting over here struggling, trying to break four windows with a bat. I'm like, 
Damn, that, that, that glance must have been hard or the bat suck. Which one is it, you know? Well, but, can't wait for that match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was, it, it, it's a good promo. I mean, uh, pretty much they're just letting you know what's going to happen. Um, so they, they're letting everybody know, look, you remember Sting is coming back to wrestle, Darby Allen street fight, you know. Um, so, you know, this is just kind of, you know, something to let remind us. Hey, look, you know, if you don't see them on the show, don't start complaining about well, what happened with the team tags and Sting, you know, because you know how wrestling fans are. So they pretty much just reminding you, look, you know, they, they, we, we're Carl hoodlums, but we are hoodlums and we're ready for the street. A lot of said that match needs to happen. And I think as soon as it does, then we can kind of move on for what we have. Because it, it may be repeating itself a little bit, but our next match is the Inner Circle versus the Varsity Blondes. Uh, we see uh, MJF get on the mic and tell Sammy Guerrero got talk um, at the match before for Galveston a chance to quit right away. He doesn't take it, instead beats MJF down. Matt scrambles away to the safety of floor. Griff gives chase, drops him with a big boot and throw him and goes to the floor to get chair as the inner circle cool down and then back for commercial. We see Galveston is cleaning the house on the hills. Big back jolly drop. Uh, we stack him up, sting a splash on both and then tag to Pillman, a tight near throw and Jericho out to the floor and back in. But a Jesus effect sets it up in the inner circle, get the victory. Uh, but I was watching this and I think it was a really good match. The Lion's Soul afterwards as well from Jericho showing he can still hit the move because he had a bit of shit on Twitter. But the Blondes, I think, have a ton of potential as well. Oh, they do have a ton of potential. Um, um, and, you know, they, they're going to take a while before either they're going to move up as a tag team or they're going to split, been split up. Because both, I mean, Brian P- Pillman Jr., I mean, the guy could wrestle. But, uh, I watched him in Major League Wrestling. Griff Garrison has shown a lot of potential from when I first saw him. Um, but the finishing move that Jericho did, I mean, it was great. He hit the Judas effect, and then he hit the lion. So, and I was like, wow, like, this guy impresses me all the time. And the way he caught Pillman coming off the ropes, it was lovely. I mean, he times that. Like, he's not the first guy who got caught like that. But, but then to hit the Judas effect and then hit the lion saw, I mean, it, it, was, it was a good move. I like, I like what they did. Um, and pretty much... This match, um, yeah, it was good, but pretty much the match was really about, you know, what's, what was going to happen. If something was going to happen in the match, um, we just talked about, you know, the cliffhangers or whatever. Because you saw how MJF said, after the match, Sammy, me, you know. So it's still leading you with this thing, like, are they going to break up? Are they not going to break up? What's next? And then with you saw that when once MJF and um, Jericho won, uh, Sammy was like, don't worry about it. Forget about it. We, we'll talk about it later. Forget about it. Like, he didn't want to bring it up in front of the crowd. Well, up next, we have Pax in the promo where he calls out Kenny Omega for acting like Billy Big Bollocks, which actually made me out, laugh out loud. Uh, minute from paper, cheating and attacking from behind like a pack of dirty mongrels. And tells him that next week, he'll face the consequence acting like Billy Big Bollocks. I don't think gets said enough on uh, professional wrestling TV at this moment in time. It was a great promo from Pac showing what he can do. And then we see Tony Schroeder in the ring and introduces Cody to respond to both Shaq and to Jade Cargill. Calls Brandy's pregnant, so that's not happening. And he's uh, confessed that he's distracted. He defers it to the coach, Arn Anderson, who basically um, had a go at him, chewed his ass out for coming, um, taking Peter Avalon too lightly. And then he says that basically he's got a partner, for Cody, and that's Red Velvet. Um, and then she comes out and says she's going to basically stir your bitch ass up. So it looks like the match is set there. And then we get Radio Package hyping up Kip Sabian Penelope Falls wedding at Beach Break. Uh, and then we get Hangman Adam Page versus Ryan Nemeth 
front kick, big DDT, shades of big brother Dolph Ziggler, but he can't keep Hangman down. Back elbow in the corner, boot up, German suplex, but pays lands on his feet and hammers him with a rolling elbow to end it, and he does with the buckshot. Um, thoughts on this one, Paige needs direction, which we've been talking about. This was a good match. Ryan was safe and solid, of course, living in the shadow of his big brother, Dolph Ziggler. What were your thoughts on the match? I mean, it was it was good. I mean, right, uh, Ryan Nemeth, you know, I was like, okay, let me see this guy wrestles like his brother. I mean, I mean, he's he looked like his brother a little bit, you know, he's got the little shiny uh, wrestling trunks. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty, it was pretty decent. I mean, he, he he tried to do a little comeback here and there, but most of the match, I think it was more for for Adam Page to show what he still got against what I've been saying. You know, he's this guy got a bunch of talent. A bunch of skills in that ring, but he's still a loner. He doesn't know where he's going next. And this is where Matt Hardy pops out. And Matt Hardy offers, you know, that he wants to be his friend. And, you know, he's been his friend since when they did the Spring Stampede. So, again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier. It's now more confusing because now Matt Hardy, he's trying to manipulate him for him to join him to manage him. But then you still got Dark Order in the back. John, you know, still confused why he didn't join. So now again, now you want to watch it in the following week because now you want to see what's going to happen with Adam Page, who he's going to join. Does he still want to join Dark Order, but he's still confused? Is Matt Hardy able to, you know, um, pretty much convince him, look, I, I, I'm your friend, I'm here for you, and kind of manage it. Our next match is Dak Harwood versus Jungle Boy Jack Perry, Tyler Blanchard, and Cash Wheeler, a handcuff to Luchasaurus per his stipulation. Uh, suplex lift sets Perry up on top, jockeying for position. Suplex roll through is no good. Electric tear, victory roll countered. Jack rolls through, neither guy can tag. Uh, crucifix from an outcome roll, no good. Perry fights out the follow-up, thinking backside, Howard breaks it, knee to the gut. O'Connor roll kick out, scoreboard transition into the snare trap. And after 10-15 minutes of action, um, we do see uh, Jack Perry getting the victory over Dax Hard with submission. Uh, and then this... up. Uh, well, first off, let's talk about the match because um, obviously Jack Perry, for me, he looks like a star. You know, there's, there's certain things he can maybe work on with his build and stuff like this. But I think credit to Dax because obviously Revival get told what a great tag team they are. But as single wrestlers, we don't really see this or not. Uh, for me, it was probably the most enjoyable match of the night so far. Yeah, it was. It was. It, this was the junk, uh, what I call Jungle Boy uh, coming out party. Because, um, I mean, we already had seen him wrestle Jericho when Jericho was the champion and lasted 10 minutes. Um, and I think this is the reason why I say that, that Jurassic Express should be split up because Luchasaurus is a great wrestler also for a big guy. But Jungle Boy, I mean, again, this is just going out party and coming out party. And then to wrestle Harwood, who's another guy who's, I mean, Harwood reminds me so much of R. Anderson, his way he wrestles. And the way he picks up a body part, I mean, he got that old school mentality. And then when you bring it in there with a young guy like Jungle Boy, man, the stars are the limit with this guy. I mean, I see him, I mean, his body build, I mean, because he's still young, he was a little slimmer than that, but you could tell he's bulking up a little bit. But this guy, this was the best match of the whole night. I mean, this, I, I was very surprised of uh, the, the, what I thought it was going to be a short match, but these guys brought it. It was, it was a perfect match. Yeah, I mean, Dax is like technically proficient, I think, is the word. And like we said with Perry as well, there's so much potential, not only in his story, but the kind of way he can uh, improve himself as well. And post-match, 
We see Tully throwing a handful of powder into Luke Joris's eyes. We get a three-man spike pile drive with Tully Blanchett on top. Uh, and then they handcuff Luke Soros to the ropes. They get a pair of scissors and snip the horns off the mask. Um, and then back from Earth, Taz responded for a promo that Darby Allen Sting said. Uh, Taz just yelling in that one. And then Dr. Britt Baker versus Shana. Uh, Shana really doing some strikes to Larry, only near full. But um, as just as she gets into it, she gets caught with a rolling net breaker and then looking for lockjaw. Um, hits the stunner, rises the cap flies, off the rope, hesitation, drop kick, but Britt reverses, lockjaw in the middle of the ring, taking the time to lock it in, winning by submission. Um, thoughts on this? It wasn't a great match. Um, the women's division AEW for me right now is Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa. Um, and the question is, is AEW incapable of having two or three women's feuds at the same time on Dynamite? I don't know. I mean, you know what's surprising to me in this match with Shauna? Shauna does not wrestle the way she wrestled. Shauna is better than that. And I, I felt like she was playing too much to the crowd. Um, Britt Baker is getting better and better. I mean, I, I don't know, man. It's like one minute that you think. Right now, the, 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 if you look at it, out of that whole roster they got, the only ones who are right now legit, legit that I'm talking about, they probably are like the stories in the, the women's division is Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker, and Serena Deeps. Because the rest of the roster, I don't I don't know who's running this roster and who's training who, but I mean and let's not forget Anna J. Anna J has improved so well in Tiger Conti, both of them. But we're talking only about five five wrestlers, women wrestlers in there out of what, about fifteen, sixteen, you know? Um, I don't know. I, 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 right now, they're hoping to do this tournament coming up, and I hope that, um, you know, some of these Japanese women that are supposed to be coming back makes it more exciting. But what? listen, me and you have spoken about this, and one match of a woman match every show is not going to help the division. You cannot have that. You got to have at least two. You got to cut out. You got to cut out uh, um, parts of the show that are not not worth putting it on if it's going to waste five or four minutes. You know, these yeah. interviews or whatever. You have to put women wrestling on the map. You want your division to get better. You can't put everything men, 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 and only one mat- woman match and whatnot, and then think that your division is going to, you know, going to get better. They're not. They're not getting better. I mean, well, this is the thing, yeah. I mean, to me, again, I mean, yeah, you're going to feature Thunder Rosa. You're going to feature Britt Baker. You're going to feature Serena Deeves. But what about the rest of the, of the other girls? You have to put. I mean, I got. I was talking about Penelope Ford. Penelope Ford hit a shot at Elena Hirsch. Didn't even look like it was even no force behind it. So that tells you that they still green. I think they just happy being AEW, making money. And supposedly Kenny Omega is the one who's supposed to be in charge of the women's division, and it's not getting any better. So one match per week is not going to help your division. Well, like I said, they they need more than that. They need more more than one story because obviously you've got Sheeda at the moment with the women's championship. It's kind of getting forgotten about. Maybe AEW need to look at see if they can get Fit Finley in because of course Finley and his work he did with the W women's division. And it gets to a point where I watched uh, you know a couple of women's matches in AEW with friends and they're going, "Is this a dress rehearsal?" And I'm saying, "What do you mean?" They go, "Because it doesn't look like it, you know, a normal match." And it's because of how green they are. And they need to put into place but again dynamite is doing so many things right that lee cullen maybe need to work on the women's division but another story they're following is of course mjf who's in the bathroom somewhere trying to explain to sammy gavari swears he didn't tell wardlow to get involved 
but Sammy sees through his shit and knows exactly what he's been up to. He's not playing and we are done here, he said. And then back from Mercer, the Good Brothers and the Young Bucks have interviewed. The Good Brothers said they're doing their very favourite thing next week, and that's beat up John Moxley. The Bucks are on the same page as long as they Don Callis isn't involved. Kenny Omega rolls up and slaps hands with the Good Brothers, asking the Bucks if he's interrupting and saying they need to talk. Callis comes up in a group bickers as the entry music calls them away. Now, I quite like this because it just showed you what a piece of shit Don Callis was for kind of faking the fact that he got black eye and saying that the Young Bucks did it. And it adds another kind of thread to the story as well. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I mean and not only that, it, now you got to ask this question. Are, uh, are the Good Brothers playing the Young Bucks, you know? Um, and Don Callis, as in calling himself the Invisible Hand, he's behind all this. You know that. And it's going to be some type of implosion where, you know, um, you're going to have the Good Brothers versus the Young Bucks whether it's going to be a title match or not. And don't be surprised um, if um, it becomes a, a champion versus champion. And uh, how you call it? The Young Bucks end up losing the belts to the Good Brothers. And now the Good Brothers from Impact got the AEW belts. I mean, there's so many possibilities, man. I, I'm, 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 I'm over here thinking like a booker. <laughs> well, we get on to our main event. It's Dark Order versus Good Brothers and the Young Bucks. This was a great match. And in the end, Dark Order off the top. Fatality, but Anson breaks it up. Good Brothers clear the ring, Grayson tags back in, but Nick Jackson has super kicks for everybody. Corner for it, set up the Escala. Eight from Power Bombs on Silver, Uno and Reynolds at the same time. Stu is isolated, we get a four way super kick party, but even Uno breaks it up. Matt out, Buck scoop up Grayson, melts the driver, and it's over. Uh, they win, of course, win by pinfall. Uh, Silver has a great moment in there, and he is super, super talented. Every time we see him, he seems to be getting better. And this is a, a good, good matchup. And then post-match, the Good Brothers throw out the two sweet. Bucks get the mic to talk about the number one contender's back roll for the tag team titles next week. Um, and they said anybody, you know, we will be pitting them up, and they go for the two sweets as well. And then Nick runs in, Springboard drop kicks, takes out the Bucks. The Good Brothers beat him down, but John Muxley makes the save. Um, Kenny Omega's out here with a pointed boot, but a power ground shift takes him out. It was a great sell by Omega as well. Uh, AW keep delivering the good shows. What were your thoughts on the main event and the ending to that episode? Oh, that was, that was great. That was a good setup for the the main event for Beach, beach Break. Um, and then my, 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 con- my concern was, um, was Pac was going to make it to the United States for the following week because they, they had, I know here they were going to have travel restrictions for um, people that are non-American, including the UK, all this crazy stuff. And I was like, well, it'll be sad if, if Pac doesn't make it. But I mean, it was a great setup for a big, great six man tag that was going to happen at uh, beach break. And, um, you know, it, it was a great setup. It was just a great setup for things to come. That's all I got to say. That thing <laughs> Fair doubt. And then uh, finally, Impact, February 2nd. Um, <clears throat> backstage, Tommy Dreamer and the Impact World Champion, Rich Swan, are having a chat. Dreamer's excited about his career coming full circle. He looks forward to having his birthday celebration being a total match with Swan. Tonight, Swan and Dreamer will be in action. Dreamer tells Swan that he'll do everything he can to help Swan out of his tag match. Also backstage, even though they have a big match tomorrow on AEW Dynamite's Beach Break, the Good Brothers still have targets on their back here in Impact. Not only is it, but it's also Chris Sabing and James Storm. Storm confronts the Impact Tag Team Champions for their actions a few weeks back. He challenged them to a match next week. If they don't accept it, Storm and Sabing will fight them tonight in the parking lot. 
the Good Brothers accept their challenge form next uh, week as well. And then we hear from Brian Myers. He feels somewhat responsible for the eye injury that he took from Eddie Edwards last week. He calls Eddie an unprofessional wrestler and his mentor, Killer Kowalski, would be rolling in his grave. Uh, Eddie's heard enough. He comes to attack him. Hernandez comes out to help Brian Myers. He's still looking as good as ever. And just as it looks like they're going to beat him up, Matt Cardona runs down to the ring to help out uh, Eddie. And they've set up for no surrender. It's going to be um, Eddie... Edwards and Matt Cardona versus Brian Myers and Hernandez. Mm, um, match. Do you, can you sense a turn in that one? Will Cardona turn heel or do you think they're trying to show like, no, these two guys are actually separate. One's a face, one's definitely a heel. No, I, I don't think Cardona's going to going to turn to a heel. I'd be surprised if he does. I'd be very surprised. I mean, I guess they figure, you know, uh, they, they want to make a tag team. One, again, think about it. These are former tag team partners, Myers and Cardona. You know, they were the tag team champions when they were the edge heads and whatnot. So why not put them against each other? They never re- I don't think they ever wrestle each other in WWE. I could be wrong. But, I mean, if he turns heel, I'll be surprised. I don't see Matt Cardona turning heel. I, I, I think that. that's – I think with, uh, you know, uh, with, with Impact and Matt Cardona, I think it could be a really good relationship because, you know, he can bring uh, eyes to the product and also Impact can help him out, like you said, build him up to actually be a wrestler that people – uh, give a shit about as well. Yeah, but here, but here's the problem. Here's the problem. Uh, I know that uh, Cardona doesn't. I, I don't think. If, I don't know if it's Cardona or Impact. I think Impact wants to give him a, a contract. Cardona doesn't want to have a contract because he wants to wrestle everywhere else. But see, to me, he should jump on a contract because now with AEW and Impact working together, right? You still are able to wrestle. An impact, and then you also could wrestle on AEW. And you know, if New Japan, you know, is working with Impact, you could go to Japan wrestle. I mean, this is a great time, you know, to have a contract. I mean, you're gonna make money regardless. You know what I'm saying? But I don't know. I know for a fact he doesn't have a contract. He hasn't signed a contract. He just, he's just making, uh, I guess, um, get uh, appearance per paper appearance. So I know, you know, it's that's that's the way he has it. That's what I, I read. The day after Hard to Kill. Well, it'd be interesting to see what happens there because, like I said, it, it makes sense for him to kind of get a contract and just get about his business. And then backstage again, we see Matt Hardy sitting that private party. He's going to win the AEW Beach Break Tag Team Battle Royal tomorrow and come back and win the Impact World Tag Team Championship at No Surrender. Big Money Matt can see it now. A ton of cash and double belts. All he asks mm. for private party is to show up. And then we have Tony Khan, Tony Schiavone. What fans tune in to Beach Break Special? Fully announced the match is scheduled for tomorrow. Khan continues to throw his weekly shade towards Impact Management. And now the main event, which is Moose and Chris Bay versus Rich Swan and Tommy Dreamer. Swan is worked on for the vast majority of the match. And um, Dreamer manages to get the hot tag. And, and Basie pays homage to Dusty Rose with a few big shots on an elbow. He sends Bay headfirst onto the canvas with a DDT. Moose comes in and sends Swans out cold with lights out spear. Moose hooks the leg on a world champion and gets the pinfall. Your winners, Moose and Chris Bay. Um, That's what I'm telling you. Moose is going to be the next world <laughs> champion, and they, he's going to. And, and put it this way: if he did, if he does beat, um, what's his name, uh, Rich Swan, he's going to merge the ta- the belts together, and he's going to be walking around with only the Impact belt. The TNA belt is going to be gone, and I'm going to see it again. And we could be watching a Kenny Omega versus Moose 
champion versus champion. That's the best. I think that's a better match than having Omega versus Rich Swan. I mean, I know there's a lot of Rich Swan fans, but that's a better matchup. That's it. The me. thing is, though, with Rich Swan is that they're, they're, you know, got pinned in their big match at Hard to Kill. He's been mm-hmm. pinned now by Moose. And the storyline that they're saying is that uh, Moose, you know, Rich Swan has beaten plenty of people but never got a victory over him. So, I mean, like, and, it's, and, it's, and, it's and it's great. And it's great because that goes to show you, you already know what Dan Callis is thinking already. And, and um, the other guy. They already know. They, it, it, look, if he got pinned in the, in, the main, in the main event in the Hard to Kill, he gets pinned again, you know. Well, that tells you they're going to take the bell away from him and they're going to give it to Moose. Well, after the match, Tommy Dreamer uh, gets beaten up and Moose holds the championship up high. This is another good show. I'm interested in the Myers story. And of course, the Matt Cardona and the Good Brothers is good for business. And like we've talked about, Moose is a mm-hmm. star. Even his entrance theme is great. Uh, but we move on to the main event as it was February 3rd. And it's AEW Dynamite. And it's time for Beach Break. And the show opens with the intro video and we get Sammy Hager sending another video hyping up his boys, Jake Hager and Sammy Guerrero, your next AEW World Tag Team Champions. What a world this is. And we start for the AEW World Tag Team Championship, number one contendership, Battle Royal. Uh, Jungle Boy theme is one of my favourites. I know they bought the rights to that now. Um, and it was great to see making their entrance uh, coming out here. Uh, first and foremost, before we get into the action, what was your excitement level for Beach Break, and what match were you kind of looking forward to the most? Oh, the well, one the Battle Royal. I was looking forward to that because the Battle Royal again, it goes back to the following the, the week before where the Young Bucks claimed, well, if we win, we got we want to you know we'll know who to challenge, and they look at the at the Good Brothers. So I was looking forward to that. I definitely was looking forward for the let me see the Brie Break of Thunder Rosas match. Uh, I didn't know they were going to have the Hangman versus Hardy versus Chaos. That was surprising to me. I didn't know they are having a, a jungle or uh, lumberjack match between uh, Lance Archer and Kingston. That caught me off guard. Uh, but the main event, Phoenix, Pac, and Moxley against uh, the Good Brothers and Omega, that was one that I was really, really, you know, wanted to see what would happen after that. Well, let's get on with this fantastic action. Like I said, we start with the Battle Royal. It's a hot start for anybody who can even get the ring. As the Bucks hit stereo, Senton dives off the stage. The bell rings and the Bucks hit superkick parties and everybody. Eventually, everybody gets in. You get your usual Battle Royal, private party takeout of Dante Martin. Alex Reynolds uh, eliminates Jake Hager after a very... I'm oh, sorry, Alex Reynolds eliminated by Jake Hager for a big, a big struggle, mm-hmm. but John Silver and Stu Grayson knock Hager out after. That was brilliant. John Silver getting... And I started to think now that the, the way the commentary scene reacted, the way the crowds reacted, is that, you know, John Silver really has potential to kind of be a breakout star in 2021. Yeah, John Silver got a lot of talent, and, and, and this is the one thing I try to explain to people when I do my podcast. John Silver, I saw him wrestle the first time in House of Glory here in New York. I mean, his talent, how he is, how he's built. And, I mean, and him taking out Hager in this battle royal, do not be surprised next week uh, Hager is going to be wrestling Silver on a one-on-one match. Because Hager every week, I mean, not Hager, Silver every week, he either brings something every week, and he goes hungry, like they call it. Uh, <laughs> and, and, I mean, I love the guy. He's funny. He could wrestle. He has the power. I mean, and and when he starts doing those kicks, is is he reminds me of a a miniature Daniel Bryan, 
know, it, so. it's, it's just it is like incredible a guy his size and like the power and what he can do in there. And he's just you can't take your eyes off him. But uh, mm-hmm. we see Matt Jackson getting eliminated by Santana or Ortiz. Chris hold, Jericho, on then. Let me, hold on that thought. Here's the part that had me crazy when Matt Jackson got eliminated. The first thing that came into my I don't know if it crossed your mind. When Matt Jackson got thrown over the rope and he landed on the stage, did you say to yourself, is he eliminated or not? Because that was yes. <laughs> yeah, I know I wasn't the only one. So I was like, hey, he better he better be eliminated because that's part. He went over the rope. I don't care the stage or no stage. He's over the rope. So it, probably, probably, like I said, if it was like kind of, you know, elimination over three sides of the ring, but the, the other side that you can't, I think people would be upset. But that was one of the eliminations that I kind of forgot about until later on in the match. And I was thinking, where is he? And then I realized he'd gone kind of so early. Uh, yeah. Anthony Bowie by Jericho and MGF. Luchasaurus double arrow looks them right after going to town on private party and then proud and powerful. Um, we see... Nick Jackson springboards into a chokeslam. Dinosaur stands tall. Grayson ducks in Pele kick. The dinosaur is unmoved. He chokeslams Grayson into Anthony Bowens. Even though no silver eliminate the dinosaur man. Uno and a meat man going to work on Jackson. But NGF dumps evil to the floor and eliminates him. Private party worker the remainder. Martin Overy blocks City String. And Mark Quinn is eliminated when he falls to the floor. Uh, because sometimes the City String, the String, sorry, you know, it's quite an evolved setup, but they do look stupid sometimes, and I think that was a clever way of actually eliminating them. In, yeah, you know? First of all, I, I, I understand why would you use a silly string on a Royal Rump, on a Rumble or on a Battle Royal? They don't make no sense. That part, I'm like, okay, who called this? You know, you're gonna use the silly string at a Battle Royal, really? Anyway, uh, we cast these still in it though. Silver double suplex Ortiz and Santana, but they dump him and eliminate it in turn. Uh, Takes Ortiz and then puts Santana on the apron and knocks him down with suplex to eliminate Proud and Powerful. Again, Santana and Ortiz did, weren't, didn't get a light shine on them in this match, did they, really? You know? Uh, uh, oh, God. <laughs> I was like, okay, so you got the Young Bucks probably about to get eliminated, but you still eliminate Proud and Powerful. Why? Why, why, why? But then when I saw that, I said to myself, wait a minute, the inner circle is in here. All of them. So I'll say, okay, I, I, this is this battle royal was more to enhance the inner circle storyline, but, but, but also the 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 tag team titles. But the thing is, though, a couple of weeks ago, you know, you have the match of who is going to be number one tag team, and maybe have just them entering it to prove their number one. I know you've got the inner circle to kind of help out the numbers, but. Again, it's just maybe you know, kind of little things. We see the Good Brothers come to ringside. Nick Jawsland drops down. They low bridge Cassidy and then make private party. MGF from behind. He eliminates Jackson and the Bucks are done. And he and Jericho flex for the crowd. It's down to them. Sammy Guevara, Max Caster, Jungle Boy and uh, Airwolf Martin pairing off and brawling. Eventually MGF eliminates Jungle Boy. Again, Jungle Boy getting eliminated. I thought it was a bit anticlimactic in this matchup as well. And that jungle boy, he always get the short end of the stick. I, I don't know why he. I think he did win a battle royal. I think a couple of months ago, but he's always getting the short stick. Uh, you know, the short stick. I don't understand it. But I mean, again, if you saw the ending of this, this was more for a storyline purposes. Well, jungle Cassidy. boy does not get. Jungle boy doesn't get hurt as far as character wise because you already saw what he did the following week with his match with Dax Harwood. Yeah, you know what but, he's all about. But this is the thing, they do that, and then the kind of momentum that he's got, he kind of, he's just put in there to kind of make up the numbers, so to speak, which is not maybe a bad thing. We see um, Caster coming in, trapping MJF's arms. Sammy comes in, super kicks him, but Max is able to eliminate MJF. 
Uh, Sammy, after he hit the super kick on MJF, was actually quite pleased with himself. Um, they said Ali Sex God's beating Airwolf down. With Cross Dallas hits a double DDT. Guevara almost dumped. He recovers, but why? 2J clobbers Martin and Sammy is eliminated as collateral damage. Martin charges in back body, drops the apron. But Jericho thinks fast and hits the Judas effect to become the number contender for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. This wasn't a bad battle royal. We continue to store the Impact Tag Team titles. The Bucks came close. Uh, Martin impressed. I think the right team overall, Ron. But the camera did miss a few things as well in eliminations and moments that happened in the match. Yeah, I mean, it happens. I mean, that, that's not one thing that I guess AEW has to work on as far as camera angles and all that. But again, like I said, this is there was a few stories in here. One, you already saw that, you know, they might be not. Uh, now we know the revolution. Um, uh, the Young Bucks are not facing the Good Brothers. Um, they're going to face MJF and Jericho. But then there's a, the other story here now is, are you know, is, is MJF and Jericho are able to unseat the Young Bucks? And if they don't, is the um, inner circle going to break up? You know, so it's a lot, again, cliffhangers. As long as they keep leaving the cliffhangers, you're going to want to come back and watch the following. But you made a point earlier as well, and I think this is just proving what AEW does right. The fact is that even some that get eliminated in the Battle Royal, as we've seen with Archer and Kingston as well, will maybe play out into a singles match. So it means everything still matters, you know, and maybe people yeah. have had a go at the rankings. But a win or loss still kind of builds into saying it still has meaning, you know? Yeah, I mean, I mean, they don't really talk about it much like they used to. Uh, uh, I mean, they still do put the... Uh, the number of wins and losses, all time, whatever. But, you know, I don't know if you noticed, before every other week they used to do the tag team um, rankings, the, the women's ranking, the men's ranking. If they do it, they probably do it in dark order. I mean, um, not dark order, in dark. I said dark order. <laughs> anyway, dark. Um, so they probably do it there, but I haven't, I haven't seen that in a while. But they still do count, you know, as far as the wins and losses, which kind of, which kind of is going to make me question the next segment that happened after this. Go ahead. Well, we uh, see the commentary uh, hyping up the team, and then we get a Jay uh, Cargill gets a hype reel of working out, sends us to the break. Back from Herschel, Tony Chifoni introduced Darby Allen and Sting. He brings Darby's upcoming TNT Championship against Joey Janela, but before Allen can answer, of course, Team Taz appears on the Tron broadcasting from the parking lot, saying that they're not allowed inside the arena because they uh, roughed up some AEW staff. Uh, Ricky Stark said he doesn't think Sting is a man uh, that he used to be. Uh, he can see it in his eyes. And Sting says he's going to make sure Darby has a one-on match against Jenna next week. And if Ricky Starks can't see the icon anymore, maybe he needs to take a closer look. Yeah, but here, here's the thing. So now you're going to give Darby Allen defending the belt against Joey Janela. Why? Why is it's either... I could see this happening next week. Joey Janela, Russell's Darby Allen, and Team Taz comes in and wipes out Darby and Sting. I mean, this is a setup for the, the the match again. And we were just talking about the ranking system. Joey Janela is nowhere in the top ten. So why is he getting a, a, a TNT title shot? And I think that what it is, they're doing that because now they're going to upgrade or you know enhance the storyline between Team Taz, Sting, and Darby Allen. That's my well, take on that. Well, the thing is, like I said, they need, as I keep saying, they need the match now. You know, they've, they've done enough with the Team Taz interrupting Sting and Darby Allen. We need to kind of get to it and then we can kind of move on. Darby Allen then, 
you know, it's a question of does he move away from Sting and concentrate on the championship or, or what goes on there? Does the feud continue with Team Taz? But just to put Joey Janela there, it doesn't really help anybody because you everybody's going to know. It, it might be a great match, but the result, like we talked about, we already it's know not, what it's going to be. Yeah, it's not going to help Joey Janela at all. So, I mean, unless Joey Janela is going to be the guy who probably is going to be part of probably a group of guys who's going to fight off Team Taz – Cause that's the only thing I could think of. Because if it's not, if you're not going to do that to enhance Joey Janela, then then why you have Joey Janela in this match? And then we all know, I mean, this is the way I'm looking at it. We all know that Team Taz is going to interfere, and it's like what four or five of them, you know, because you add a Taz son in there now, uh, and so it's now four against two. They're going to probably jump him, and then is Joey Janela going to be one of those guys who's going to help? That's that's my thing. You know, so but then again, I question the ranking because I mean, I don't know if they got a ranking system for the TNT belt unless you could defend it with anybody you want. But that's another thing. I mean, why is Joey Janela getting a title shot? But Joey Janela has not wrestled. I haven't seen him wrestle in God knows how long. And it's, it would be easy thing to fix because all you have to do is is have him have a match on dark and say this is an opportunity to face the TNT champion, you know, or, or, yes. or something yeah. like that, you know. Uh, anyway, we get a video package for Dr. Britt Baker, DMD versus Thunder Rosa. This is the best build AEW I think have ever done for uh, a women's match. I might be wrong there, but Rosa is the star. I was more, you know, when a women's match usually comes on Dynamite, I think, okay, right, well, sit back and try and get through this. But this one actually was like on the edge of my seat. Yeah, I mean, and, and this match, Britt Baker, um, according to what I wrote in my notes, Britt Baker, Russell, one of the best matches she had since March of 2020 when she had that wrestling match with Sheeta where she broke her nose. Yeah. I mean, that was the last th- I mean, that was the last time I saw Britt Baker actually wrestle her match the way she wrestled. I guess when she came back from an injury, she probably was scared of pushing her ankle cuz I mean, she had an ACL tear or whatever it was. Um and when you saw her wrestling back then, she didn't have a lot of impact on her super kicks. She was not kind of, she was like, she was green. Like she just started wrestling, but this match, Thunder Rosa actually brought it out out of her. And this match, you saw what Brick is made of. And this is why they signed her the first woman to be signed. And this match was great. I mean, I, I mean, I was surprised that Britt Baker gave Thunder Rosa that much of a problem. Well, this is the thing. We see a more uh, serious Brit to start. Rosa went for Rebel, and Brit tried Lockjaw straight away. Rosa fought back, and Brit worked the arm and brawled to the outside. We then get commercial, come back. Rosa's the driver on the stage, back inside, slingshot knees. And everything Rosa does uh, is just so kind of fluent as well in the ring. We see a folding press for two, back elbow blocked. Baker hits sling blade, and then the basement super kick. Uh, they're both jockeying for position. Brit hits an air raid crash. Uh, Rebel passes Baker a glove off the ropes, running stomp, float over crucifix two, lockjaw applied, but Rosa managed to reverse it into a pin, no good. And Baker's still hanging in there, rolling the way through. Kind of the, the technical wrestling, I think even JR said it, it, because it, of the mat wrestling. It was beautiful because mm. every time Britt Baker tried to put that lockjaw on her, Thunder Rosa would reverse. I don't know how many reverses within the one minute more, the one minute, uh, it's kept happening and like every time um Britt Baker tried to put that large jaw Thunder Rosa found a way to counter it I mean it was beautiful wrestling it was great and then Rebel gets in and tears the turnbuckle 
pad off. Thunder kicks her away. Britt with a schoolboy pin for two, but Baker sidesteps, swing of reverse. SCO into exposed turnbuckle. Uh, Rosa is out. Britt applies a lockjaw and, of course, wins by referee stoppage. Uh, it was a great sell at the end. You know, you actually started to think, oh, it's Thunder Rosa actually really hurt herself. Uh, this was great stuff. A series of matches away for the title, I believe, between these two women. This was probably my favourite women's match in AEW history just because of the build-up to it and what they delivered in ring. Yeah, and, and you know what's funny is that I really, really was invested in this little feud before they had the match because, you know, Big Breaker's the big mouth girl or whatever. Thunder Rosa is a legit veteran. has been in the business for a while. And the fact that they had to, like, hold it up for two more weeks because uh, Thunder Rosa was uh, exposed to somebody who had COVID and they wanted to make sure that she was fine. The waiting was worth it. And let me tell you, this is not over. I see another match where Polly Reva or Reva, whatever you want to call her, is going to be banned from ringside and Thunder Rosa is going to get back. I mean, it's going to be interesting because right now they're going to have a women's tournament coming up and they might meet up again and they might have another great match. So, I mean, again, Britt Baker showed the side of her that I haven't seen in almost a year. And Thunder Rosa is Thunder Rosa. And this is what I'm talking about. The women's division with Thunder Rosa, Serena Deves, if they could get more wrestlers that could bring that type of A game, the division could be good. Well, I wouldn't mind. Like I said this, I think, back in November as well. Britt Baker, Sheeda at Revolution, and then you can have Britt and uh, Rosa feud over the women's title and actually have, like, you know, barn burners of matches and just, you know, bring a bit of kind of reputation to the uh, women's division. Uh, we mm-hmm. see them... Footage from last week of Matt Hardy backstage with Adam Page as Tony Schiavone interviews him. Um, he says he just want to tag one night only against Chaos Project. And, of course, when we come back from a break to make it away, uh, it is the match hangman only page in Big Money, Matt Hardy versus Chaos Project. Hardy and Serpentico to start. Matt smashing his face into the corner, tagged to Page, style press for two. Chops in the corner, whip, a charge and Larry snap suplex again, just a near fall. Tagged to Hardy, diving elbow, shot off blind tag. Luther slams Pentagon onto Big Money for two. The quick tags, and they work over Hardy. Tag to Hangman. He cleared the apron. He ducks a lariat. Fall away slam on Pentagon. Dr. Luther out. A little back and forth. Buckshot. Hardy uh, tags himself in and gets the pinfall uh, after Page did the work. Uh, thoughts on this? I liked the, the moment Page got taken off the apron and hit his face, but then responded as if it was kind of nothing, dodging the dive and then hitting the buckshot course Matt Hardy getting the pin um this is a harmless match but again is this leading to Paige having to make a decision between Matt and Dark Order or will they maybe go somewhere else yeah and like I said earlier it's 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 a great story again Matt Hardy being the you know the obnoxious snob you know tagging himself in you know um and it it, but you can see that Hammond Page was like he was a little disappointed like hey what the hell you doing but he didn't care. So, but this is going to be uh, very interesting because now, if you remember back, Private Party used to hang out with, with Hangman Page before um, he lost the Tigers, whatever. So, I'm sure Private Party is going to be involved in that, and they're going to be like somewhere like, look, you know, you could be with us, blah blah blah. We get to drink, we party, blah blah blah. And Dark Order is still maybe wanting to bring in um, Hangman Page. 
And, and I know that this week in the being the elite, Anna Jay was like, no, get out of here. But I think the decision is going to become down. You, you ready for this one? It's going to be from negative one because never negative one is still supposedly the leader of the dark order. And if negative one decides, well, I want Hangman Page in dark order, keep pursuing him. They're going to try. So it's going to be sometime where probably dark order guys are going to be feuding with private party, Matt Hardy. And maybe they'll have an eight-man tag where you'll have Silver, Reynolds, Eva Uno, and Stu Grayson against, you know, Handman Page, Matt Hardy, and the private party. Again, I'm thinking like a booker here. I'm thinking about long-term storyline. This, this is the thing. Uh, and like you said, that would be a perfect moment as well when you're asking Page. You know, Page could even watch Dark Order getting beaten up by Matt Hardy, who's, you know, saying to his friend to his face, and of course, you know, I think he's done you know, backstage and behind his back, and then Paige finally say, no, I'm going to do what's right. And the kind of reaction you're going to get from, I say from a crowd, you know what I mean, and, mm-hmm. and online, I think will be incredible as well. And then Tony Schiavone announces a field for the number one contendership women's tournament. Uh, we've got a Japanese side and the US side, but I'll get onto the US side in a minute. The Japanese side is Aya Kong, Yuka Sagazaki, Vini, Emi Sakura, Ryo Mizunuma, May Surigo, Rin Kaduka, and Maki Itoto. I apologise if I got any of that wrong. Of course, we'll be... No, you did pretty well. We, the American side, Serena Deeb, Riho, Britt Baker, Taya Conte, uh, Thunder Rosa, Rose, Anna Jay, and Layla Hirsch. Uh, Tony Schiavone... I got a question. I got a question. Quickly. Go on. I got a question, sir. Now, you read all the, the com- combatants, right? Japanese version, Japanese side and American side, right? Yes. Why in the hell is Riho in the United States side? Thank you very much. That's, that's exactly what I want. Can I'm, somebody explain that shit to me? It's just when I saw that, I uh, was like, wait a minute. I was like, wait a minute. If you got a Japanese side and then you got to have a United States side, why the hell is Riho on the United States side? I, I just didn't understand it. And the way Tony Schiavone, the, how quickly he said it, my finger was on the, the play and pause button to try and catch every name because, you know, how quick he done it. Uh, looking at it there, like you said, I think we will see Baker and uh, Rosa maybe compete in this. But I think Baker would be the favourite now, unless maybe one of the Japanese sides uh, surprises us. We, we just don't know. Unless they're gonna push Riho again to make it to the finals, which I'll I'll lose my my head on this because I don't I never liked her as a world champion, um and because I know Kenny Omega is very highly of Riho, uh, it's either gonna be Thunder Rosa or Britt Baker coming out of the United States side, and maybe I don't see Aja Khan coming out of there. Um, one of the other girls in there from from the other side could come out, but I don't want Riho nowhere in there, and I mean they they try to. They try to make us look foolish by adding Rio to the United States bracket. Really? Get out of here with that. Well, we go to the break of the promise that the uh, Penelope Ford Kip Sabin are getting married next. But back for commercial, Marvez interviews Jericho and MJF as they head to celebrate their victory. But uh, all he gets is cheers and shout. And they go to a room with the rest of the inner circle and celebrate, calling them collateral damage. Some of you ask why it's always them that's collateral damage. Uh, which is a very good question, and walks away. Um, so, of course, we see Guevara. Is Sammy Guevara ready um, to turn to start fighting in the circle, or do you think this is a story that should go on and maybe a little bit longer? Oh, the storyline on this is beautiful. Loving it. Now, when Sammy Guevara left the room, you heard MJF tell Jericho, go after him, right? And then he told Warlow, hey, get this guy out of here, the camera guy. He said, guys, we need to have our talk. 
this is all a setup. I think this has been a setup for a while that, that for them, I think MJF, to take over the inner circle and the Sammy Guevara and all these other guys, they all in plotting to get rid of Jericho. And I think because just by MJF saying we we need to have the talk, which means that been they've been talking about it for a while. And I think this whole thing is an all setup. And if they don't win the tag belts and revolution, I see I see MJF and the rest of the guys either beating up Jericho and kicking him out of the group. Like I said, it's so so interesting what they can do there. You know, there's kind of so many up. Like even if Santana and Ortiz kind of turned their backs on the inner circle, from what we've seen this past month or so, you couldn't really blame them either, you know? Yeah, I mean, but then, but then, if you kick out Jericho out of there, right? So now the question is, who is the the actual, the right tag team in the group? And then you got... Uh, Santana and, and Ortiz as the main group tag team in there, and then the rest of the other guys could just go either for the world title or the TNT titles. Because it's, I mean, well, again, the dark horse out of all this is Warlow, and that's the guy I'm watching the most. Because Warlow, they've been teasing a breakup between Warlow and MJF, so I could see Warlow leaving the team, and maybe, maybe down the line Jericho comes back and Warlow ends up teaming with Jericho to go against the Inner Circle. That's another that's another way they could go with this, but I'm I don't know after seeing what uh, that little segment I think I have a feeling they're all doing a setup. This is all a plot to get rid of Jericho. But this is the great thing about it setting up a kind of group and you have so many different stories that you can go with and mm-hmm. uh, try and sort out as well. But all right, so up next the ring is all set up and it's wedding finery. The sinister minister James Mitchell is officiating. Vicky Guerrero walks Kip Sabin down the aisle. Jerry Lynn walks Penelope Ford down the aisle and the sinister minister begins the wedding ceremony with his unusual sinister twist on things and has it to the groom for his vows kip talks about seeing her breasts and knowing that their love was meant to be uh we move on to the exchange of rings taylor hands mirror rings and mitchell does the usual vows but again evil style to have and to grope kayfabing all lovers and so on sabian does ford does and they put the rings on of course now all they have to do is forever hold your peace objection spot Miro interrupts and says he's been here before and he's asking that question. That was, that was great. That was <laughs> <Yeah>. great. <laughs> Mitchell invokes the power vested in by AEW and Tony Khan and pronounces a man and wife and they kiss, of course. And at this moment, I'm thinking, going too bad. But then Miro gets to make his speech and a toast now. He talks about the nature of love and says his present is the fierceness and tenacity and so on, and everybody takes notice of a man-sized present in the corner. Chuck says it's from him, and Miro destroys it. Taylor goes to the floor after it. Miro orders him to clean it up. Miro finally gives the crowd chance and sings a little bit of what is love before cutting it off. He calls for the cake before it turns out he's been handcuffed to the ropes. Chuck Taylor had all he can stand and can't stand no more. He decks Sabian, the fall gets knocked face first into the cake. Chuck ducks a punch and Kip hits Miro. Penelope gets on his back and finally Kip beats him down. Orange Cassidy was under the cake the entire time. We get a breach break on Sabian and Chuck and Orange stand tall as we go to a break. Now, my thoughts on this was, oh boy, if this was WWE, it would have been slated. They did the Lana in the cake spot that we've seen, but... First oh off, what, that, that what, is the worst. That's the worst wedding I ever seen on December 30th of 2019. That's how. That's how bad it. I still remember the date on that. <laughs> that was the worst. Was, was this worse or was? I mean, should we let I, I off mean, because it's AEW for the first time? No, it was. I mean, being there was the 
it was the first time AEW had a marriage going on there. The fact that they had James Mitchell doing it, which I was like, wait a minute, the devil himself doing being a, a, a priest. Um, it was it was right there, different. Uh, the part when Miro went and um, when I saw the box, I said, there's got to be somebody in the box. I thought Oris Cassidy, I had a mind that Oris Cassidy was going to pop up, but there was nothing in the box. I'll say, okay, he's somewhere in there, you know. Um, the handcuff part, I love the camera work, if you think about it, because you didn't see you didn't see Ch- uh, Chuck Taylor go outside the ring, put the handcuff on the pole, put it around his leg, because at that time, the camera was on Miro saying, you know, what is love and going along with that through the crowd. The whole thing was, it's way better than the average marriage you see in wrestling. You know, you know, there's going to be some type of breakup. They never get married. This was actually, I mean, they said online that this was an actual marriage between these two. They actually got married. Um, but the fallout of it, it was pretty good. It wasn't bad. I mean, for the first time, it, it, it was entertaining. I, I won't say that it, it was the best, but it was entertaining. Well, credit to Ford for trying her best in this one. And she did look quite emotional, actually, at some point, And she did lay in uh, to keep with the kiss. But back from commercial, we get video of Shaquille O'Neal. Talk about his match against Cody Rose in Red Velvet. And he demonstrates his finisher move. A spinning back fist he calls a black tornado. That was entertaining. I love that one. <laughs> uh, we're involved the match will take place on March 3rd, Dynamite. Are you looking forward to seeing this? <sighs> Listen, when you got celebrities... They don't belong in the wrestling ring. You know it's going to be comedic at some point. But being that it's going to be Jay Carhill, this will be her debut. You know, I feel that it's going to be a good thing for her because it's going to show what she's made of. I mean, I, I'm not too crazy about the pick that they pick of Red Velvet. Um, uh, but we'll see. I mean, Shaquille does. If Shaquille does a wrestling move that you do not expect. I, I, I think I'm just going to jump off my chair because <laughs> I got I have to see. I mean, it's not the first time he's been in the ring because he had a face off with the big show at a battle royal in WrestleMania. Um, I think it was WrestleMania, one of those. But I mean, I, I think Shaq is going to do it, inter- uh, trying to try to do it entertaining. Um, but again, I'm not a big fan of celebrities going inside the ring. I mean, you see what WWE is doing. They're bringing in big uh, bad bunny from reggaeton artists over in America to be part of a wrestling match. But sometimes those matches don't really work. I mean, you saw what Snoop Doggy Dog did a couple of weeks ago. The bag of bones, they, it was supposed to be frog splash. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I think the match being announced is about time. I think this is going to be uh, Jay Carhill's uh, coming in party. You know? Was so it? Well, I'll say, was it interesting that it was announced for a Dynamite rather than a Revolution pay-per-view? I or mean... It's better because it, you get to see many people going to watch it. You know, you're going to see, you're going to have thousands of, you're going to probably, you can have a million people. Think about it. They're going to do it at TNT, right? Shaq does the NBA, TN, uh, NBA, whatever they call it. I mean, I love that, that show that he does when they do cover NBA. You're going to have basketball fans are going to tune in to watch Shaq wrestle. You see that? That's a smart move because WWE did this a couple of weeks ago. They had a uh, had the New Orleans Saints wrestling. I mean, I mean playing some other team. When the show ended, a lot of the NFL fans stood to watch uh, SmackDown, and they got three million views. So you think AEW didn't take AEW didn't take notes on that? They they playing it smart. 
Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens there, but we continue with beach break, and it's Eddie Kingston versus Lance Archer in a lumberjack match. It's a hot start. Archer beating Kingston down, but then he runs the ropes. Butch and the blade trip him up, and Lance brawls on the floor with the lumberjacks. Pretty Peter Avalon ducks the charge, and Archer goes head first into the ring post. The Murdoch monster recovers, though, and lays waste to everybody as we go to a break. And then when we're back, up in the turnbuckle, jockey for his position, but the bunny leaps on Lance's shoulders. He has her up for the blackout, but Eddie hits the back fist to the future. Archer rolls out the ring before he can cover him. Jake the Snake Roberts comes to aid and drops Angelico. Uh, exploded suplex from Kingston. Blade puts a table in the ring, but Bear Bronson spears him through it. Bear Hunt Country hits the ring and take Butcher and a blade out. And then Lance with a big rock bottom for two. Eddie up top, but Archer cuts him off and pinfall with a blackout. Um... This wasn't great for me. And I don't know, Archer seemed to be talking to Kingston a lot during the match. And even moments on the outside, it seemed like, I don't know if Archer was just maybe waiting for his spots. Did you find that or was that just me? It wasn't in the match. I mean, even though it was a lumberjack match, you're always going to know the beginning of the match. You saw the all out brawl between everybody feuding. That's that's never good. But I mean, I love the spot where um, Lance Archer jumped over the top rope and landed a on top of all the guys outside. I mean, the match wasn't better than the one the week before. And uh, I think what it did was, yes, you're going to have a Lance Archer, Eddie Kingston match. And I guess they wanted to move on to the, another, another few for Lance Archer. But it also was uh, an introduction to Bear Country. Because I, I was like, what the hell Bear Country is doing out there? Bear Country is a those attack team that comes out in dark. But they were part of the Lumberjacks, which means what I'm looking at here is uh, AEW is going to introduce new stars and new uh, new wrestlers uh, by the way of either match like a Lumberjack match or, or, you know, like what happened a couple of weeks ago with the Varsity Blondes uh, were introduced because um, I don't forget who it was. I think the best friend went to get back up against the, uh, the inner circle. So I saw this match more of. Jake the Snake Roberts still got got it doing a short clothesline, taking out Angelico. Um, Bear Country being introduced because I'm sure people were like, "Who the hell is it?" People who don't watch Dark was like, "Who are these guys?" But they, you know, pretty much the announcing team pretty much explains. I love Excalibur because he tells you all the details. Um, so that's the way I saw it. I mean, the pin itself was legit because that is Lance Archer's move. I would have loved if we would have put the everybody dies claw on it and then pin them like that. But but that pretty much tells you that that feud is over. It's over well, with. This is the thing at the moment. I don't know if it's 1 1 that it's going to be a hardcore match to finish it. Or well, Flight yeah. said they're going to move on for the feud because obviously uh, what happened just a little bit later. But we get a video promo from the FTR complaining about being suspended and blaming Jurassic Express for it. They run down all the injustices they've been subjected to and totally Blanchard asks what it takes to get a total shot for the best team in the world. That's how it says they're not bad men, but sometimes they have to ask what bad men would do. And he pulls Marco Stunt into frame, handcuffed to a chair with his mouth duct shape. And on that they, note, they we can go to a child. child. You kidnapped the child. Call child protective custody. They just kidnapped the child. <laughs> what, what would FTR do? Uh, back for commercial, we get a promo with Johnny Janela regarding this title match next week. He says he and Darby have a long history of magging themselves and each other. You see what I love, but the stakes are higher than ever and then Cody and and the good brothers make their entrance as we go to a break and on to our main event and it is Death Triangle Pac Ray Phoenix and John Moxie versus good brothers uh, and Kenny Omega 
right, let me take a breath and try and come through some of this action <laughs> that we got. Uh, we get Anderson and Pack to start, trading punches, headlock, shot off shoulder block, drop down leapfrog. The bastard gets uh, and downing, hits Carl. He scrambles his corner to tag Gallows in. Moxie wants to tag and gets it. Chest kicks and a knee trembler late on. While Phoenix and Anderson legal, quick tags from Death Triangle to work machine gun over. I even liked a little bits of the early going with... Uh, Gallows pushing Moxley into his corner to get the tag and then Moxley doing a similar thing as well because, you know, just showing you what kind of tag team wrestling is not just all about, you know, partner getting worked on the hot tags. It's about trying to cut off the ring as well yeah. and do those sort of things. We, so, don't, we don't we don't see that anymore. Yeah, and that's another thing I thought they were doing really well. And, of course, Don Callison commentary talking about the chemistry that each team has, you know. Um, we see uh, Omega tripping pack up and Gallows press slamming him Moxley and he's taken anything that moves, including dives to the outside as he goes uh, to break. And we're back and Moxley's worked on, but he blocks a magic killer and tags Phoenix. Phoenix is on fire, baby. And he clears the ring. Pack of Phoenix stereo moonsaults, then spins into a cutter. But Omega takes back control with a vicious snapdragon suplex. Oh, yeah, you seen that? That snapdragon for suplex was from the second rope. Uh, it was nasty. Was, I mean, I was just, like, oh. You know, <laughs> Pack uh, in and gets triple teamed and Liger bomb, but he's still in this. B triggering the ropes, electric chair, but Pack managing to fight out. Phoenix in with a step up soul, but Mox with a lariat, pump kick from Ray. John with a German suplex. The bastard gets him up, bridging German suplex so close. And again, you can see now the teamwork is starting to pay off between Pack, Phoenix, and Moxley. Mm-hmm. Mox is legal. He draws Omega up, breaking briefly to deck Anderson on the apron. Trading strikes. The V-trigger gets a lariat, a big boot with a pump kick to kick off. Uh, everybody do something cool part of the match. We get a crescent kick from Phoenix. Top Congero sidestep the V-trigger, kick to the gut, underhooks, countered. Kenny, uh, we're a parallel shift, but Pack comes off the ropes with a 450 splash to break it up. Gunstun block. Moxley hits his own and tags Phoenix in. Springfield Moonsault on Anderson is not enough. Off the, off the top, caught into a bind buster. Tag to Callows, gets him up. Kenny cuts back off with a V-trigger. And then all of a sudden, the magic killer onto Phoenix for the victory. Whew, what Ooh, a that's match. a lot. <laughs> that, was, that was a lot of notes. Shit. But what an awesome match that was, that yeah. main event. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, the best part, I mean, was, I mean... Look at this way. When the match started, first of all, a Pac versus Carl Anderson match, it's like a dream match. You know what I'm saying? Too bad it was a tag team match. So when I saw that, I was like, that's beautiful. I'm sure these two was never wrestled. I mean, the in and out from the death triangle with uh, Phoenix and Pac was beautiful. Moxley, I figured Moxley being there was going to be weird because it's not, but they all, they work together very well. Now, the craziest spot that I saw was the the when Omega went for the pin on John Moxley and Pac hit the black arrow and I was like, oh my God. I'm like, he pretty much hurt his own partner. I mean, this match was amazing. But the ending of this was crazy because now we see Lance Archer comes out, right? And then he attacks the Good Brothers. Now in my head, I'm saying to myself, why is Lance Archer attacking the Good Brothers? Right? But it was because the Good Brothers was attacking Pac and Phoenix. He had teamed up with them. And I'm going to let you... D- say the last part what happened after that <laughs> i'm gonna give so, you the honor sir thank you very much so moxley crawls over to omega slows his feet but he gets blindsided by a masked man and it's 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 kenta kenta <laughs> is here 
go to sleep. Yes, Bullet Club in the house. Yes. <laughs> but you see, now I'm in my house, right? And um, my roommate, uh, me and him, we're hitting each other up back and forth. And um, at one point I see, after I saw Kenta, he was like, oh, I'm not going to tell you how it ended. Because I, I was like probably a couple of minutes back. But when I saw Kenta, I jumped out of my seat. Because I'm like, wow, this this is crazy. How, what's Kenta doing there? I mean, probably a couple of days before that, John Moxley popped out in New Japan Strong and pulled out Kenta. Um, but watching Kenta AEW, I was like, this, this is crazy. But after, uh, I think the next day, then I come to find out that New Japan had no choice but to work with AEW because Moxley has the IWGP United States title also. Um, another thing that I didn't get to realize was that, that when John Moxley signed a contract with AEW, he was allowed to wrestle in Japan, but when Japan was in the United States, Moxley could not wrestle for New Japan. That was the contract, the way it is. And it's funny that I didn't catch up to this on last Friday when they mentioned about Moxley putting out Kenta and they're going to meet up at New Beginnings in Oceana, California on the 26th, it never hit my head that way. How the hell are you going to wrestle him in California when there's a, 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 a clause in the contract that Mosley can't wrestle for New Japan and the United States? And as we find out later, the night after Kenta attacked Mosley, New Japan, Impact, and AEW are all working together. This is a great time to be a podcaster, a wrestling podcaster, and a wrestling fan. Well, it, it's crazy, you know, because the thing is, I mean, it's a shocking end to a fantastic episode. There's a couple of things. Um, I think Kenta looked cooler than he did in his entire WWE NXT run. Oh, yeah. Just, just by yeah. putting the GTS onto Moxley. Of course, Moxley hasn't been able to travel uh, across, but this is a story that the WNR have been keeping closely because we watched Wrestle Kingdom earlier in the year, and of course with Moxley's return now, and it's really interesting, like you said, um, first off, we'll, we'll talk about the, the episode of Beach Break, and then we talk about the kind of ramifications of what this means with the three companies kind of working together. Uh, so like, for me, Beach Break was fantastic because you had uh, the, the awesome main event. Uh, the wedding may be not great, but everything else in there, I think, hit the mark. What were your overall thoughts on Beach Break? Oh, Beach Break wasn't bad. I mean, it, Beach Break, I mean, it wasn't great and it wasn't bad at all. I mean, the the again the wedding part i mean we knew that was going to happen i expected worse i expected something ridiculous out of whack com- comedy whatever but it was fine I-, I didn't have no problem the battle royal the way they started the battle royal that was pretty good i mean and once the toward the end we all saw there was an inner circle um storyline listen i think from one to five five being the highest i give it a poly of four it wasn't bad for especially for a show that was um, free on TV. Also, they did very well here in the United States because they beat NXT by I'm not, they destroyed NXT uh, on on Wednesday. They almost got close to almost a million views, and uh, and then and that was just regular a regular event. Well, the only thing was that the, uh, the main event was great the way it ended, whatever. But the storylines they building. It shows, gets you, you know, again, I talk about cliffhangers. It shows you that the fans are invested on what's going to happen. You got the Hangman Page storyline. You got the Inner Circle storyline. You got the the Good Brothers and the Young Bugs and Omega storyline. And, you know, saying now you add Kenta into the mix with Moxley. 
you got a bunch of storylines they now is going to show you that more people are going to be invested into AEW because they're going to want to know what's going to happen. And now, now and again, this also helps impact because now you got a, a talent um, exchange between those two companies where you got private party going to impact. They're trying to need the good brothers. Everybody wins. Now I'm hoping that ring of honor and WWE gets into the mix. I mean, AEW is already working with NWA. Uh, if you add Ring of Honor into the mix, man, listen, by the time summer comes around, me and you are going to be doing three-hour shows. <laughs> this, this, this is the thing. And, and for anybody who's kind of, I want to say new to wrestling or anybody, you know, maybe just been watching the past couple of years, like, can you just explain to them how big this is, that kind of three wrestling companies at this moment in time are kind of working hand in hand? It's it's kind of done before, has it, you know? Uh, let me put it this way. And I'm gonna I'm gonna break it down. This has not been seen since I believe in the territory day. Uh, we're talking about companies that at no time um, at one time were working together. Um, but it's with New Japan. I mean, New Japan and Ring of Honor was already working together. Impact used to work with New Japan until I think it was 2007 2008. Uh, they broke up their relationship because the way they treated Okada when he was a young lion. They had him teaming up with some more Joe, like the Green Hornet, and they didn't like that part because they felt he was killing the, the, the future of the company. Now you have, you, you know, you don't only have AEW and New Japan and Impact together. You also got to think about Impact, who works with AAA Mexico. AEW works with AAA Mexico. New Japan works with CMML, Mexico. Ring of Honor, you got NWA, Ring of Honor, NWA work together. So you got close to almost six, seven promotions. They could come out of nowhere and decide, well, hey, Impact needs this guy to show up at a show because we're doing this pay-per-view. Can we borrow him? Can we do it? And it's like back in the territory. Back in the territory in the 70s, 80s, this was used to happen. Promoters would call the next promoter, hey, I, can't, I have your world champion come to mind. To my promotion and wrestle. This is this is what's happening now, or it's gonna happen now once this pandemic is over, and you're gonna see more um, more wrestlers coming to America. Because remember, New Japan wants to build a uh, a solid fan base. They already got a solid fan base in, in here in the United States, but right now they announced they're gonna be a Roku where you can stream it every week for an hour. That is listen, that's money for everybody. Who gets to win? The wrestlers. And the fans, you know what I'm saying? Podcasters also, because podcasters now, you have content, you have, you know, things to talk about. And it's going to be, listen, the way I look at this, this is going to be fun. I want to see where this is going to go. Um, they had a they had an exclusive video where Omega ran up to um, to Kenta and threw up the two sweet. And Kenta told him to shut the hell up. And he's not here to be his friend. He's there to be my You never know. If you're gonna, you may even see the Gorillas of Destiny show up at AEW, Bullet Club take over. It could be a lot of things, guys. It's exciting to be a wrestling fan, and it's a lot of things looking forward. And you could be a, a like I said, a, a fantasy, fantasy booker. I mean, I got a lot of things in my head that I say this guy happened, this guy happened. Listen, if you're a wrestling fan, you don't have to stay in one bubble and one promotion. Go check out all of them, and well, it, trust me, it's gonna be fun. 
Well, the, the thing is as well is that, you know, you and I will know that to be able to access wrestling and now has never been a better time with the apps and the kind of online stuff. And, you know, you try and watch Japanese wrestling 20 years ago. It just wasn't happening in, in other companies. And even now they're saying, let's make it easier and we'll just put it all into kind of one big company. You'll be able to kind of watch all this action as well. Like I said, it's it's a really special time. And like it's once uh, it's kind of horrible thing that's happened with like the COVID ends and we finally get the fans back into the arenas i think you know talk about golden generation so to speak you know let's not let's not also forget now also forget you got your biggest company in 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 london in england which is red pro red pro works with new japan red pro will osprey is their champion what better wrestler one of the greatest wrestlers right now in the business is the champion over there in uk so Listen, it's so, so, oh my God, it's so many stuff, dude. So many stuff. We're out of doubt. Well, finally, Impact Wrestling is in the kitchen cooking something tasty in an effort to spice up their No Surrender event on February 13th. Impact will debut a new style of match guaranteed to have total non-stop action. I mean, do you love triple threat matches? Well, then the triple threat, threat revolver is for you. Uh, Trey Miguel, Chris Bay, Josh Alexander, Blake Christian, Ace Austin, Willie Mack, Suicide and Davari will compete in one of the most unique and action-packed matches in oh, pro wow. wrestling. Uh, three competitors start the match. One is pinned or submitted. Another will enter the fray. The triple threat matches will continue until there are no more entrants in which the final pinfall submission will earn the victory shot at the X Division Championship. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to check it out. I'm definitely going to check it out. So, um, we'll and, and we'll and we'll definitely review it. You know, because you you you're an impact guy. So I'll definitely check it out. I'll give you my input on that. So we'll definitely do do something. You know, and definitely we're doing revolution. So, yes, without, without a doubt, Revolution is definitely there. Like I said, No Surrender is on uh, next weekend. The card currently stands, as we said, the Triple Threat Revolver match, the X Division Championship, TJP versus Raju, uh, the World Tag Team Championship, Good Brothers versus Private Party, and the World Championship, Rich Swan versus Tommy Dreamer. And like I said, if, you, uh, if you're on the next week's show as well, I mean, that's brilliant because we can do No Surrender as our main event. Also in Impact, we're going to have the Good Brothers versus Chris Sabin and James Storm. And in AEW, they've announced that it's going to be Kenny Omega teaming with Kenta to take on Lance Archer and John Moxley in the Lights Out match. Yeah, sounds good. You know what? We're going to cover. We're going to cover No Surrender, and we'll cover AEW for this week. Um, I'm definitely looking forward for that. Uh, Lance Archer and Moxley um, tag team. I mean, it's funny because these two guys nearly killed themselves back a year ago in Wrestle Kingdom for the United States IWGP belt. So it's going to be, it's going to be very, very interesting. I mean, it's fun. I, I can't, I'm telling you, I cannot wait to watch AEW this Wednesday. Yeah, it's, it's going to be great. Like I said, we get the fallout from all that and hopefully we'll get to you, like I said, uh, next uh, week as it were next episode that we do. But for today, that is it. Don't forget our follower of the week is Shaquem Empire. And don't forget, Forget we're across all social media, Twitter at the WNR Podcast. I'm at the WNRJR. And of course, now is your chance to plug all your stuff. Yes, uh, you can find my stuff, the Choke Slam Wrestling Report. You can find it on on YouTube. I got a YouTube channel there. You guys can check that out. I got my audio podcast. You can find it Apple, Spotify, uh, Stitcher. I mean, I'm everywhere. All the major podcasts, audio podcasts. Also, I have a merchandise. You can also, in the merchandise website, you can also hear my, my podcast, the video, the audio. The, uh, the website is TCW 
tcwr.veryimpressive.com. That's tcwr.veryimpressive.com. Uh, so hopefully you get a shirt or a hat, Mr. James, and um, <laughs> support the brother here. I would appreciate it. So check me out, guys. Um, and again, James, I love being on your show. I mean, it, I have a great conversation, even though it's almost two hours, but it's worth it. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I enjoy having you on as well. And, of course, don't forget about the Dublin R on Facebook and Instagram. because. All Google platforms, send us an email at doublepodcast at gmail.com on YouTube. And uh, the podcast got the same time on YouTube as do SoundCloud on your phone. Also, Spotify now and I choose where you can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. So that is it. And like I say, next episode will be Impact No Surrender. But until then, I have been Jay's Rones and I was joined by the Ultimate One. And again, it's a pleasure to have you on. Your insight that you do. And like I said, the, the back and forth that we have kind of brings an extra level of excitement to the wrestling that we watch. New York City in the house, and you know, I'm always anytime you ask me, I'm here support. And I, again, thank you for having me. And uh, you'll see you'll hear from me again next week. If we're covering No Surrender and AEW, without a doubt, mate. Well, the pleasure is all mine. Thanks for joining us, and for everybody, thanks for listening. Bye, bye.